This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. We're going to go ahead and get started, and you want to grab your Bibles, the John chapter 12. John chapter 12, you're going to want to take some paper and notes. Take some notes. You're going to need some paper. John chapter 12. Hopefully everybody has a palm cross. Can you wave it at me if you got one? If you don't have one, uh, there's, there's a basket in the back. In years past, I would have asked people to bring it to the front. I'm not going to do that uh, this time. Uh, just so you know, you can keep that palm cross and take it with you. Normally I would say put it in your Bible, but... Uh, people don't really carry Bibles anymore. Uh, so, but hold on to it, put it in your car, and just um, I pray that the Lord will bring to remembrance today's sermon. I believe God wants to speak to you and to me. Um, I know that we have a lot of things that are probably clouding our mind. We probably have things at work tomorrow that need to be accomplished. Uh, maybe financial situations, health situations, family situations, relationship. A lot of things that could cloud our minds. Now, there are times, it's not often, but sometimes I will, um, I will be awakened in the middle of the night and maybe just concerned about something. And I recognize that you can't think about two things intently at the same time. So I, I try to just focus on the Lord to just cloud out and crowd out everything else that might be keeping me awake. So let's do that this morning. Let's ask the Lord to help us to focus on what he has to say. One of the biggest encouragements as a pastor um, I received throughout the week is I will get a text from one of you saying that really ministered to me or I'm, I'm feeling conviction or uh, even someone says I'm not even sure, you know, as we talked the last few weeks, am I really saved? And uh, to me, as I uh, interacted with that person, it was an encouragement that the Lord is speaking and you're corresponding back and forth. If the Lord hasn't, is not speaking to you, maybe just relax, take time to just crowd out those things that might be preoccupying your mind and ask the Lord to speak to you. John chapter 12, verse 12 says, The next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And Jesus found a donkey and sat on it, as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey colt. At first, the disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. I just want you to pause and just, if you could highlight at first the disciples did not understand. Verse 17, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that they had performed this sign, went out to meet him. 
So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip went to Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it, does, if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, the servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it instead, it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to them. And Jesus said, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Heavenly Father, speak to us clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I pray and I'm also praying that God will help me to tap out this message so that all of us would be changed and challenged by the Holy Spirit. So this is the big day. It's Hosanna. It's, uh, it's Palm Sunday. And I'm glad you're here. It's an incredibly important uh, Christian event uh, that we celebrate Palm Sunday. That we understand it. That we get a grasp of it. Jesus the King. That people are calling that he is the king. He's entering into the city of Jerusalem by the praise of his people. And all these people that were there were just kind of filled with this anticipation, the awaited Messiah. It was a great day, filled with hosannas. And we sang the song this morning, Hosanna. Lots of enthusiasm. Lots of excitement. And it's so interesting that in one moment you'll have excitement and just a few days there's going to be hatred. And they were going to nail him to the cross. But this day... On Palm Sunday, they want him as king. And I believe that the divine plan was unfolding. You know, sometimes we think that things are just kind of happening by happenstance. It's just kind of happening on their own. But I believe God is definitely in control here. Everything is unfolding the way Jesus wants it to unfold. Jesus is under the will of the Father. And he's going to deliberately plan this demonstration. If you remember, I said last week or the week before that uh, many of prophets were killed in Jerusalem. But you cannot have a sacrifice unless it was there in the city of Jerusalem, the city of David, and it had to be there. So he planned, I believe God planned and Jesus planned this in order to fulfill prophecy. Knowing well that the enthusiasm of Jesus coming in was going to fast track some decisions that have to be made. It was on God's timetable. Time and it was something that God was in control. The Sanhedrin wanted to kill Jesus 
They did not want to do it during Passover because there's way too many people. He's got way too many people on his side, and they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him earlier, but definitely not on Passover. But then we'll see in verse 12 that Jesus begins to make his, his move. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. If you hear two weeks ago, we talked about when Jesus was asked the question, will only a few be saved? He was on his way to Jerusalem. This was part of the plan. And on, it says on the next day, the multitude had come to feast and heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. See, where were they? Well, they were, there's a group of people that have been with Jesus already. Jesus had already performed this incredible miracle of Lazarus was raised from the dead. And now uh, Jesus has this massive crowd following him. So he, in a sense, has, uh, you know, I don't want to, it's not disrespectful in any way, but he's, he's, own, he's got his own groupies. They're coming uh, with him. Wherever he goes, they're going with him. They've seen the things that Jesus has done. They see uh, his, his wisdom. They've heard his wisdom. They saw how he answered uh, those who were uh, in authority, and they were just overwhelmed with Jesus. So they were astounded, and they loved to follow this man named Jesus. And many of the people were convinced that he was the Messiah. They heard his teachings, they said. They heard his preaching. And now they're going to make a pathway for this king. They're going to make a pathway with these palm branches and cloaks and, and, and coats. If you're downstairs, if you had to drop your kids off, it was pretty neat. Robin, um, Robin uh, set up the, the hallway down there so that they can um, see the branches and the cloaks. So now the group is fast approaching. They see Jesus coming in. They see Jesus walking in on a donkey. The, the excitement was incredibly escalated. But they were confused. What they were really looking for was this. They were looking for Jesus to come in a white horse, not a little donkey. If you want to lead a military movement in those days, you did not come in on a donkey. People wanted to see Jesus overthrow the Roman Empire, and they were looking for a military conqueror. They were looking for a man to come in in a white horse. They were looking for a man who would come in with symbols of strength, but he came in on a donkey. He came in as a donkey, on a donkey. He came to be, uh, in a sense, not to kill, but to be killed. And so they were singing and praising him, singing, Hosanna, save us. Bring the revolution now. Bring the revolution. The, 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 the foot of the, the Roman government is on our neck, and we want to be set free. But what were they really asking for? They were asking for a political freedom. They were asking for economic freedom. They were asking for social freedom. And they wanted that revolution to start right now. If we're not careful, Christians, American Christians, 
Sometimes I'm wondering, we look to our political uh, people to do the same, to, to, to set us free economically, to set us free politically, to set us free from the social uh, pressures that might be on our necks. And these people that were there, and I imagine I could see myself, I could see myself wanting the same thing. Lord, deliver us from this economic burden. Deliver us from this political burden. Deliver, deliver, us, deliver us from this uh, social burden. And so they're singing and they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a reference to Psalms 118, verse 26. You can read it later on. They see him as the Messiah, the king, the deliverer. Now, who are not, who's not happy in this situation? The Pharisees are not happy. They don't want Jesus to be their Messiah. They want Jesus dead. And here you have this uh, multitude crying out, Hosanna, blessed is the name, the man who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. But the Pharisees were not happy. They wanted him dead. See, when a, when a man comes in on a white horse, he's proclaiming military prowess. You know, in today's days, we don't really have military parades anymore. We used to. Back in the day when I was a young buck. You know, I remember seeing films of um, General Patton coming down the, the street, and he was in a Jeep. You know, when he comes down a Jeep, he's, he's going to celebrate uh, the victory. He's, he's not coming in as the conqueror. But if you see General Patton coming in, in a, on a tank, that's a whole different story. And so in this sense, you know, and maybe in a symbolic way, Jesus, they were expecting him to come in on a tank. But he doesn't come in on a tank. I wouldn't even say he came on a Jeep. If we're going to use some analogies like that, maybe he came in on a bike or he, walked, he was walking in. Can you imagine expecting a general to come in and he just like riding, you know, riding a bike, coming on in? It would throw people off. And it does throw people off. It'll throw the, uh, his, his own followers off. But when you ride on a donkey, you're coming in as a man of peace. So when, if you're a Roman soldier and you see this person who's supposed to be a threat coming in on a donkey, I can imagine they've just kind of like, well, this is nothing. This is nothing. This symbolically, he's just a man of peace. Later on, he'll come on a white horse. Amen. There is a time when Jesus will come in on a white horse. But this is not the time. The, the disciples were, were, I believe, perplexed. They just couldn't get it. The Bible tells us that. It says that, it says that at first the disciples in verse 16, they did not understand it. They didn't understand it, what was going on. They, they, they were confused. At one moment leading up to it, they know that Jesus says he has to come to Jerusalem to die. So maybe some of them prepared themselves for that. But when they actually walk in to the city of Jerusalem, there's a parade. There's celebration. And so I'm one, they're probably wondering, and I would imagine myself wondering, what is really going on? I thought we were prepared to do battle. I thought we were prepared for him to die. And here, we're celebrating. If something doesn't add up, they couldn't make sense out of it. Now, the Bible tells us when they did make sense out of it. Only after Jesus was glorified 
did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. And so during the time that it actually happened, they didn't know. They were confused. They were probably thinking, is Jesus talking out of both sides of his mouth? At one moment, he's going to die, he says. And then in one moment, they're celebrating, and he's walking in as a man of peace. He's celebrating. Uh, he's being celebrated. But all this is, is I believe, is definitely uh, controlled the planning and the timing by God. People can be fickle, amen? You have fickle family? I have some. Uh, fickle friends? Fickle fans? There are lots of people who, who, who are one moment, they're one way, and the other. The other. I have a friend that one day uh, roots for Florida State, and then the other day, if Florida State loses, uh, he's, he's rooting for the Gators. Fickle. Both sides. I won't mention any names. I'm just kidding. Everybody's like, is it me? No. Look what it says in verse 17. Now the crowd that was with him, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. These people were excited about Jesus. They were excited about Jesus. They just saw someone get raised from the dead. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you just saw someone raised from the dead? And then all of a sudden, he's coming into town, and you're so excited, you begin to tell your friends and anybody you came into contact. Here's the man that he just healed someone. The guy was dead, and now he's alive, and this person did it. And I can imagine that just drawing people. They were with him in Bethany. When they raised Lazarus, and all of a sudden, they, they saw him heal, and all of a sudden, they are coming. I, I sometimes would like to, I don't like to label people, but these are people that are looking, I would call thrill seekers. You know, sometimes in the church, we can find that. You know, I was talking to a bunch of pastors this week, and we were talking about certain things, events that happened throughout the state the last couple decades. And people would just flock to certain events. Thrill seekers. They wanted to see something happen. And so they would travel hundreds, if not thousands of miles to go. And same thing here. They were thrill seekers. They wanted to see Jesus do things and maybe even do things in their own lives. How many times did they come to Jesus and say, show me a sign? And God would, Jesus would say, I wouldn't give a sign to these evil and adulterous generations. I would say that these were false followers. They walked with him. They hung out with Jesus. But as soon as Jesus says you need to die to yourself, as soon as he talks about drinking blood and eating flesh, which sounds strange, but as soon as he said that, these thrill seekers began to wander off. Just a few days later, they're going to be the same people to yell, crucify him. Crucify him. I don't want him around in my life. I don't need him in my life. Get rid of him. He reminds me of too much. Get rid of him. And so there will be times, maybe, and I hope no one in this, in this room, that there might be a time where Jesus might call you to die to self. 
You can have a choice to embrace him or to tell him to leave. And so these, these people were what I call fickle. They were the thrill seekers. One moment screaming for Jesus, and the next moment they're saying crucify him. Now we have the Pharisees, the other people that were kind of frustrated. The Pharisees. Uh, Jesus, they weren't happy with Jesus because Jesus called them, uh, basically, they were blasphemers. blasphemers. And uh, they were probably reacting to all that. They lost a lot of power. They were losing control. And they wanted Jesus dead on this day of the parade. If they let Jesus stick around, they're going to lose their status. Do you know that if you follow Jesus, you might lose status? Seriously. Uh, there was an, an athlete in Australia who was on the Olympic team, I believe, and was just booted off the Olympic team. He quoted a scripture, and they, they said it was hate speech, and he's no longer on the team. Now, I don't know what his motives were. I don't know. I don't know if he was trying to be evangelistic. Maybe he was just trying to stick somebody in the eye. I don't know. But you will lose status when you follow Jesus. But they were losing status because of Jesus. And they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. You have to just look back in uh, chapter 11, verse 47. You're going to see that the Pharisees convened and created this council. And they're asking the question, what are we going to do about this man who's performed many signs? They'll maybe believe him. What happens if the Romans believe him? We will lose our status. We are going to lose power. And the Pharisees feel like they're out of control. They can't, they can't do anything about it. And so now they find themselves in a predicament. They don't have power. So what are they going to do? They're going to try to kill Jesus. Now Jesus says, listen. Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. We just read that. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. This is why people began to leave Jesus. Nobody wants to die to self. But this moment, he's got the whole populace to his side. He is, he's got the crowd with him. He's got the crowd with him. But Jesus isn't swayed by this. He's not confused by this. He knows what is going on. He knows that the same people who are going to yell, Hosanna, one moment, are the same people who are going to say, crucify him. He knows that the Pharisees are upset and want him out of the picture. He knows that there are some who are perplexed. The, uh, the, the followers, the disciples of Jesus, are confused and perplexed. And then he goes on to say, unless the grain falls to the ground and dies. And so, he's saying, Jesus is saying, listen, I cannot bring salvation I cannot bring salvation via military coup. I'm not going to bring salvation via an economic change. 
I can't bring salvation by social revolution. The only way I'm bringing change, the only way I'm bringing salvation is through death. So disciples, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to learn how to die to self. And he likens himself to a grain of wheat that has to fall to the ground and die. The Son of Man, God incarnate, came to Jerusalem to die. The king did not come to pronounce war. He didn't come to kill. He came to be killed. You know, there was, you know the stories in the Bible where Jesus was transfigured right after his water baptism? That didn't bring salvation. He had to give his life. He had to give his life. And the Bible says, and he tells his, his followers, whoever loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in this world shall keep it to the life eternal. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall my servant also be. If anybody serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, I know this is not Good Friday, and I, I want to encourage all of you to come on Good Friday. Again, these are really big Christian, uh, I don't want to call them holidays, like it's like a holiday. These are big Christian events. It, we'll have candlelight service on Friday night. It's just a time to just really remember what Jesus did on the cross. But I think A.W. Tozer says that when you see a guy walking ahead of you with a cross, you knew he wasn't coming back. It wasn't like, I'll see you later. It was goodbye. So when you see someone carrying a cross, they're not coming back. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you'll have to learn to deny yourself. You have to take the path of sacrifice, the path of death. And then what happens at the end? That God will honor you. If any man come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. So now we have this, this, uh, this crowd of people calling out for Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. Save us. Save us. Save us. Now we're going to read here, and we haven't read everything, but Jesus will again predicts his death. And, and I know that Jesus isn't a callous man. He feels everything, just like you and I do. But as a Christian, what Jesus does is he, he takes on the terror of death upon himself. He takes on the terror of death upon himself. And that's why a Christian can face death without terror. Because terror has been removed. By Jesus. He took it on. Now, you could be a non-believer and, and not know what's going to happen. I have a friend of mine that works with hospice, and I, and I ask him about what it's like to be around people. He's around people that constantly die right in front of him. He told me that one time he was with this uh, professor, elderly professor, years and years ago, and he was dying. And the professor professed to be, I think he was a Presbyterian. 
And my friend who's a pastor said to the professor, he was on his last minutes, hey, so-and-so, would you want to just repeat the scriptures of faith in Christ? I mean, the guy was within minutes, seconds. And this is what he told me. He told me he mustered up, this guy mustered up enough energy. He didn't have enough energy, a lot of energy. He just literally looked at my friend and said, no. And that was his last words. He did not want to say the names of the, again, just claim Christ as Lord. He didn't want to die to self. Jesus didn't die unattached. He took on the terror. And because of that, we can face death without terror. I've only been around one person who's died, and they were believers. And uh, died without terror. They were looking forward to being with Jesus. Jesus took it on. Now here we are on this parade. People wanted a military coup. They wanted to see Jesus come in on a white horse. But Jesus wasn't having it. He was coming in on a donkey. Which really, which really uh, symbolized peace. A friend of mine wrote, uh, Alicia Sholey, this is her quote, because the nails that kept him on the cross, uh, it wasn't the nails that kept him on the cross, it was his love for God and for his people, for us. Jesus was on his way to die. And so this morning as we, uh, begin to contemplate this whole day of, of Palm Sunday. I pray that you understand that one day he's coming on a white horse. One day he will rule and reign on this earth. But, but today he wants to rule and reign in your hearts, in your heart, in your life. Is there areas in your life that he doesn't rule and reign? Last week we talked about that. Are there, you know, uh, we talked about those things, those areas in our lives that we hold on to. Because maybe we don't trust him. We, we don't love him. We, we don't have the relationship. But today Jesus is Hosanna, save us. Save us. Save us. Save me. Thank you, Father, that you're walking into a situation where you're going to die on our behalf. You willingly went to the cross. You willingly chose this path. And even though people were screaming, Hosanna, you knew that not everybody really understood or meant it. Thank you, Father, that we're here today, how many years later, 2,000 years later, and we come to the same fork in the road. Lord, are you going to just be the, the Savior that we just want to follow so we can get things, so we can get social freedom, economic freedom, political freedom? 
are we, are we going to just use Jesus to get what we want? Or are we going to serve and honor and live for Jesus who came to save us from our sins? He came to set us free. You may have heard me from time to time. I always talk about, you know, Jesus saving me from a cesspool of selfishness. And he has. He has. And even though I might have a propensity to go back into that cesspool again, the Lord has kept me from doing that. But I've had to, and we all have to learn how to bow our knee to him. We all have to learn to trust him. We all have to learn to say, God, I trust you. I trust your word. I trust what it says. Even though I don't get it, I trust it. I don't understand why you're calling me to walk in obedience, but you say it, and I, I trust you. So when we sing Hosanna, I pray that we mean it in the sense that, God, please do save us. Save us. Save me. Lord, I pray, God, that this Palm Sunday, that we're not duped by the world, but that we're led by your Spirit. One of the incredible things I love about this scripture I read, it says that the disciples did not understand all this until... Jesus was glorified. I want you to think why. You don't have to answer out loud, but why, why did they not understand until he was glorified? I'm just going to give you a second to think about it. What happened? What changed? It was the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit couldn't come until Jesus had gone to be with the Father. And the Holy Spirit can lead us and direct us and empower us and, and give us wisdom and, and convict us. The disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified and did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would reveal to us certain things in our lives that maybe we need to turn over to Jesus. That when we say, Hosanna, save us, that we mean it. That we mean it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, because this is the day you've made. Lord, as we kind of relive this tremendous moment, I pray, God, that you would take this story, this true story, and begin to uh, draw us to Jesus, to the risen Christ. Lord, help us to remember and recognize that the, we were all judged on that day. All human beings will be judged. And Lord, as believers and as people that we're hearing, we're under the the gospel, we hear the gospel. Lord, we know that we'll be judged on what we do with the crucified Christ. 
Lord, we know that Satan didn't judge him. We know that he wasn't lifted up on a cross in shame, but he was lifted up for salvation. And I pray that everybody in this room knows Jesus. Not intellectually, but in our hearts. Lord, that we would have a relationship with you. That we know you and, and you know us. As we heard a few weeks ago in that, that scripture, strive to enter the door. And Lord, we read that it's a relationship with you. So we pray, God, that as, as we grow in our journey with Jesus, Lord, that we have a deep relationship with you. That when you speak to us, we listen and we walk in obedience. Lord, we say thank you, Father. Lord, I pray, God, this palm branch that we have in our hands would remind us to save us. Save us now, Father. Your will be done. Lord, help us to follow you as your servants, as your children. Wherever you go, we go. We say thank you, Father. We love you. In your precious name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.